Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Enjoying. How many like the sticky hot weather? Us summer people, we got to stick together. If we stick together hard enough, maybe we can push winter into like, I don't know, February or March or something. I don't know. You will never hear me say it's too hot. I was working out in the yard this week and there were some workmen. Sound guy, sorry. I'm going to put this where it needs to be, right there. There we go. And they said, you know that, that old phrase, is it hot enough for you? And I always say, no, it's never hot enough for me. Love summer so much. Hey, thank you so much for filling out uh, the form last week. Uh, you just really helped us as we're getting ready to go to two services. And especially thank you to those who made a decision to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and either kind of uh, first time saying I'm going to volunteer or some of you that uh, upped up the frequency uh, as we go to two services. And I, I just want to say thank you so much. It helps us get done all that God has called us to do this morning. We're going to be receiving the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. And I want to share some scriptures with you. Uh, if we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued that they are the new believers of a brand new church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost. And we see the, the New Testament church birthed, and it gives us an example of what it should look like at harvest. They continued steadfastly. Uh, so they're continuing in these things. They really were intentional. Say intentional. Yeah, they were intentional. And the apostles' doctrine, so apostolic teaching, fellowship, uh, getting together, breaking bread, which we're going to do today, and in prayer. Now, all who believed were together. All who believed were together. That's, I just love that word, together. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful expression of your body here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Lord, as we look down um, across the weeks and months to come, you're, you're talking to us, you're speaking to us, you're getting us ready for what you want us to do. Lord, just focus us today, I pray, on the importance of who we are together, I ask in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. So an important, really important part of a community of faith, the faith is important, that's what brings us together, but the community piece is really important too. And I want to focus on our community piece uh, today, just before we go to the Lord's Supper. And uh, to begin our new series called Beautiful Community, we're going to be, this is our summer series. Uh, we each summer, pick a series that we look at together over the about six or seven, sometimes eight weeks of the summer. I think we're doing six weeks this year of our summer series called Beautiful Community. And so the community part is a really important part of being a faith community. There's a family connection in Christ. God is our Father. We're His children. You know, when I was growing up in church, uh, it was not uncommon to hear people call each other uh, brother, you know, for, so Brother Roy. Brother Roy, how are you today? Well, Sister, Sister June, I'm, I'm doing really good. Thank you very much. And so if you were on first name basis, it was brother and then your first name. But if it was an elder, uh, somebody older than you, and it was respect, um, then it was, you know, it was Brother Kreitz. How are you this morning? And so uh, it, was, it was weird then. I'm so glad we don't do it now. It was, it was kind of weird then. Uh, but we did it, I think, a carryover from uh, another day to honor the fact and acknowledge the fact that we're family. Say family. 
Yeah, we're family. And that's what we were highlighting. And as we consider the beautiful community, the beautiful body of Jesus in the form of his local church, as I look back over the last few years, going into COVID, um, we were doing okay connection-wise as a church. We're doing okay. And we would measure that by uh, how many people are attending small group, which would kind of be the majority. Um, just watching how people interact and, and share their lives together. There's a couple measurables, and I think we were doing okay. We weren't doing great, but we're doing okay. And then COVID came and separated us, and uh, really, I think, showed us on the, now on the other side of COVID. I know that's a distant memory, but businesses and churches are busy with COVID lag and getting church back where it needs to be and, uh, and building the way we want to be building. And that's why we're talking about going to two services. And my hero, Pastor Frank Satius, who's a, a member of our leadership team here, he's on our Apostolic Council and uh, also one of our elders. And uh, two weeks ago, he was so excited. He said, he said, Roy, we had 721 people in church on Sunday. And that, like, yeah, go, yeah, I mean, and that's just a tennis record. They're breaking everyone and trying to figure out, do they go to three services uh, or do they uh, go to a campus? And they're praying about, that's just such a hard thing, you know. Um, it's not a hard thing. It's a wonderful thing. Good problem to have. And so we're seeing many of our churches, and Harvest included, kind of returning even better than we were before COVID. But COVID really did separate us, and I think we got comfortable, at least here at Harvest, we got comfortable uh, not being connected. I, and as funny as that sounds, it's just it's human nature. We hate it when it happens, then we do it for a while, and we get used to doing something. Uh, and so here we are coming, excuse me, when we were coming into 2023, as a leadership team, we identified two goals that we wanted to meet in 2023, which, by the way, uh, July the 2nd, a few days from now, we are exactly halfway through 2023. Yeah. It's just weird, isn't it, that we're already halfway through the year. And so as we're getting ready um, to kind of project where we are in the fall, when we kind of come back in full steam, we take our, we t as I said last week, we kind of relax a little bit in the summer. We need to. Um, it's just the way our culture is here, and we love it that way. But as we're coming into 2023, uh, the two goals were that we would be back to two services, multiple services, um, and we'll do that uh, right around Thanksgiving weekend. I think it's the weekend after. Um, and that we would raise the connection awareness that we needed to connect as a community of faith. Um, and I want to kind of point out some of the reasons why this morning that would be important and have us consider that in light of the Lord's Supper. So we're rebuilding the together part of Harvest. And so at the beginning of the year, we started our series, which is an ongoing series for the whole, for the whole year, to know a name, to know a face, to know a story. And I wouldn't ask you to do something that Christine and I weren't willing to do ourselves. And so we've been intentional about meeting with people and uh, having dinners with them and hearing their stories. And it's just fantastic to hear just the amazing stories of the people that make up, that make up Harvest. Today, as we start this new series, The Beautiful Community, it's just fitting because the beautiful community finds its origin around the Lord's table. And Paul talks to us in 1 Corinthians, which we're going to look at some scriptures. And actually, he's going to hard adjust them. He's actually disciplining them for getting it so wrong. 
as we look at the scriptures this morning, I want to be super clear. I am not adjusting us or disciplining us. But I do want to look at the issues that they got so far off the path on so that we can guard our community and understand why it's so important and then build toward it um, as we, throughout the summer and into the fall. And as we talk about connection, it really can be as simple as to, to, know, to know a face, recognize somebody else that comes to harvest, but to get to know their name and then sit down in a context with them over a barbecue, around a bonfire, whatever would be awesome this summer, and to hear their story. But to intentionally make the connection points between each other, you're going to see why that's so important. So Paul is high-level, disciplinary, adjusting. It's an apostolic father. He's giving them pow-pows. He's saying, uh, you need to be adjusted. So I'm not doing that, but let's look at how they got off, 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 uh, off the beaten path. As he's talking about the Lord's Supper, he says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. <laughs> oh, gee, okay. Uh, I'm not happy about this at all, he said, for your meetings do more harm than good. Can you imagine getting an apostolic uh, admonition that, uh, you know, so today, Harvest Christian Fellowship, we're not coming to meet next week because the meetings actually are hurting everybody and doing more harm than they are good. We are discontinuing services until we get it right. Like, this is really bad. And, and so he starts out, it's kind of scathing, and he's getting their attention. He goes, in the first place, I hear that you come together as a church and there are divisions among you. And that word divisions means there were relationships. The Greek word, I'm not going to pronounce it right, but it's like uh, we get schism. Uh, we get our word schism from it. And it's uh, the Greek word that I'm not going to pronounce because I won't get it right. It means a literal tearing. And it's a picture of what happens at a heart level when we have a relationship. And then we decide not to have a relationship with somebody because of offense. We don't want to work it through. We just want to close the door on the relationship. And there literally is a ripping. It's never a clean break relationally. Uh, it's messy. It will rip. It rips emotionally. It rips in many different ways. And so he says, your, your community is full of these rips and tears. And he says, and to some extent, I believe it. Or we might say it this way, I don't want to believe it. I really want to think the best. But I'm hearing about this with such magnitude and such commonality that the stories are coming out of the Corinthian church. I believe it. So in other words, he says, you come together, but you're not together. You come together in a room, but you're not together. You're sitting together, but you're not together. And he, there's a play on words here. Together, but not together. Say together, but not together. You get the idea. So he says, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. Wow. Now let that, let that settle in. So they're going to do what we're going to do this morning. They were celebrating the Lord's Supper the way Jesus said that we were to do it. The ordinance of the Eucharist, the, the, the uh, table of Thanksgiving. He said, so you're going through the motions, but I'm not calling it communion which we get our, that word communion, we get it from common union. So they had a common union with each other because of their common union with Christ. And so he said, you're coming together. We use the word communion, the Lord's Supper. So you have to ask the question, then what were they having? Because they were drinking the cup and eating food. So what were they doing? 
And then he pauses and he says, uh, and I'll just read it. Uh, we often read it when we're about to receive the Lord's Supper. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Jesus himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and said, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, uh, this is the... Um, this, this, excuse me, he took, the, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So he sets it up and, 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 and I just want you in the mode now as if we're going to partake in a moment, but he stops, he jumps on the brakes at that point and he starts to talk to them about They've missed it when it comes to the Lord's Supper and how it points to his beautiful community, the body. He actually doesn't focus on the cup. It's, he wants us to fully understand already what the cup symbolizes, and I'll, that'll make sense in a moment. But he really focuses on the loaf, which Jesus said, this loaf that was broken on the cross so that our relationships wouldn't be broken, wouldn't be torn, wouldn't be ripped, but there would be a mechanism in the cross to forgive one another and live in beautiful community. He says this. It's one of the most misunderstood verses when it comes to communion. I grew up in a context um, I've shared with you that had holiness roots. And when I say holiness, so the, a separation from the world or a separation from uh, what would be perceived as a sinful lifestyle would be the focus. So it wasn't really what we were separating ourselves to, which was Jesus and his beautiful community, but it was more about what we were separating from. And so all of the don'ts would be listed. And, I, and I've shared some of, some of my story with you. And so this verse, one of the most misunderstood verses, because I, growing up in church, would see people who would allow um, the emblems as we passed them in the, in the plate this morning in a few moments, would let it go by, wouldn't partake. And that usually meant um, that they weren't partaking because they felt some level of unworthiness because there was a sin issue that they were dealing with. They didn't get it cleaned up before communion. And so they didn't want to die um, and, and be struck dead. And so, and that would come out of this verse I'm going to read. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So it goes on the next verse, uh, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. So I, you probably followed me on the, uh, thank you with the verses behind me, but if you could go back, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup. On your best day and my best day, we are unworthy. We are unworthy when it comes to, we, we are sinners that were separated from God because we were born in sin. We accepted the undeserved grace of God. You will never earn it. You will never deserve grace. If this is symbolic of a covenant of grace, not the old covenant based on works and the law, but a new covenant based on Jesus' blood, nothing else saves us. And then we walk out a transformative power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We walk out his transform transformative power and we acknowledge when we come to the supper, uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, there is power, power, wonder-working power. There is nothing in me that it can accomplish anything when it comes to being worthy as it, as it comes to the Lord's Supper and sitting down 
Amen? So the coming in an unworthy manner can have nothing to do with you having a one sin week, ten sin week, or a thousand sin week. Um, I, Christina's father had, a, um, had, had a, an addiction to, to cigarettes for years and uh, loved Jesus. And um, for most of the years that I knew him, um, would never partake of communion because he was sure that it was unworthy to do so because he had an addiction. Um, so he was unworthy uh, to participate. And he would let the plate go by. And I spoke to him on a number of occasions. And there's no way you could change his mind because he'd been taught this really um, horrible uh, understanding of the scripture. Uh, he had a blessing in disguise. Uh, he was a woodworker and he was cutting uh, some wood out and ended up by severing uh, the fingers on his right hand um, and then had them reattached in emergency surgery. And so he had his three fingers and his thumb so he could, he could squeeze things and still hold tools. But the doctor told him if you keep smoking, the nicotine is an anticoagulant and um, a natural blood thinner. Your, your fingers will never attach. And so he quit and never smoked again. And was able, well, yeah, I mean, and that, that's awesome. But then felt like he could have communion with his two fingers and his thumb. Um, like, like, so I'm just pointing out, because some of you may have come from that background. Some of you are looking at me like, how could anybody believe that? And, and I'm really glad that you're there. So what are we examining for? Because it's there. What am I looking for when I come to the Lord's Supper and I'm supposed to examine myself for something? So um, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. Now remember, Paul has said, you're sitting down to communion, but you're not having communion. You're not celebrating the common union with the Lord or with each other. Well, then what are you doing? You're, eating, you're, you're having a piece of bread and you're drinking a cup. You're not understanding what this means. Therefore, it's not significant. So he says, examine yourself before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink, here it is. He tells us exactly, has nothing to do with having a three sin, four sin, ten sin week. It's without discerning, understanding, having appreciation, having eyes to see what the body of Christ is. We're fully understanding before we come to the meal and we're reminded what the beautiful community is. He's focusing on the loaf. Jesus said, this is my body. Say body. You don't discern you're not understanding how powerful this is or how necessary it is. So when you eat and drink, you're actually eating and drink judgment on yourself. Or another way to say this is you're not fully appreciating the blessing. Judgment is receiving of a curse. You are re not receiving the blessing of being together. You're receiving the consequence of being separated from each other and not receiving what God has for you. That is why many among you are are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now that is a scary verse. What he's saying is, the disconnect, which I'll explain uh, some of this in a moment, he said, that's why some of you are weak and sick. You have sicknesses in your body. And then the euphemism for death in the New Testament is you've fallen asleep. It doesn't mean you were bored of the service and you're snoring right now, whoever you might be, and I can't see you because my glasses are off, uh, so you're safe. Um, and uh, you can't hear me anyway because you're sleeping. Um, 
But if you were actually dead, he's saying people are getting sick and dying prematurely in the Corinthian church because the power of healing isn't flowing from one to another. You've cut yourself off from the beautiful community that inherent in Christ's body is the power for healing. And you're not receiving it. And your statistical numbers of people being sick, there's too many. In fact, you're dying prematurely. That is a strong statement. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. No, I mean, really, really feel this. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. So why would that be? Well, Let's take a moment, and I'm teaching this morning, and let's just, let's dig into this a little bit before we discern properly the Lord's body today. Old Testament dietary laws, there were a lot of them. There's an interesting one that Jehovah Witnesses, who are spending a lot of money in our um, in our city the last two weeks. So we're really appreciative of that. Um, and so we say welcome, um, and it really boosts our economy. We pray for them, of course. Uh, that they will know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, and so they would interpret this verse as never getting a blood transfusion. Um, and we, would, we wouldn't. And, and let me explain not that aspect of it, but what, what I believe the Scriptures are teaching. Uh, whatever man who hunts and catches an animal or bird that may be eaten, he may pour out its blood and cover it up in the dust, for it is the life of the flesh. His blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, a dietary law for Orthodox Jews, you shall, which they practice to this day, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Its blood sustains its life. Say sustains. So why is this a thing? that uh, Orthodox Jews would kosher their meat. Why was it a thing in the Old Testament? The blood is the carrier system of your very life. Every breath you take, oxygen is carried to every single cell in your body. When you breathe in, oxygen goes into your lungs. The blood vessels pick up the oxygen, gets rid of the deoxygenated uh, Every little cell in your body has a little factory going on. It's an amazing universe. Literally, every cell in your body has a brain, and it has functions and machinery. It's like little factories. Your body is covered in them. Some of them gather together to make organs. Some of them gather together to make skin. Some gather together to make uh, brain tissue, and so on and so on. I won't bore you with the biology lesson, even though it fascinates me. The blood is what connects all of those cells together and carries the sustaining oxygen, water, and nutrients that all of those cells need. And so God wanted to teach a principle that if you kill an animal, you're going to respect that it gave life for you. It gave up its life so you could have a meal. You're going to honor that, but not by consuming, but by giving an offering, so to speak, into the ground and say, I respect what this animal gave. We do not partake of the blood. That's not ours to have. That was the life of this animal that gave it for me, and now we'll enjoy the meat. And so they would give it an honorable, it would, it would be buried in the dust. If an animal was used for a sacrifice of sin, oh, so much even more, that blood was poured out in a, in a graphic, really horrific, bloody mess in the Old Testament, that you go, what a bloody religion that was, blood everywhere, but the blood was a symbol that death had happened because sin was present. 
And so when Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was slain before the foundations of the earth, gave his life, he gave his blood, and not ordinary blood, not the blood of, 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 of goats and bulls, or not even the blood of a human being, because he wasn't just a human being, he was the Son of God. His blood contained eternal life, eternal life. He, he wasn't mortal, he was immortal. He gave his life up for you and I in a brutal death and spilled his blood out, spilled his life out symbolically of giving you and I life when we receive it, symbolic in the blood that we are no longer separated from God in sin. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. But his life is now in me, his eternal life. And I remember that in a moment when I drink. But what am I examining for? My, my, my sin? No, because his sin washed me clean. Then what am I examining myself? I'm examining myself because Jesus did not just have a physical body. He has a spiritual body. And it's the body that Paul is pointing to that they weren't discerning or understanding that you come together, but you're not together. You don't know each other. In fact, at some point, some of you did, and you ripped yourselves apart because you couldn't get along. Jesus had a spiritual body called his church. Here, it's called Harvest, and it's a beautiful community. Now, let's keep going in the scriptures. I hope you're enjoying this this morning. I want to lay this foundation of teaching down for you, really a launching pad for us. He goes on teaching about communion. He says, by means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but when we entered into the large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. Oh, oh, that's what you proclaimed in word and action when you were water baptized. I love how when he's correcting the Corinthians, it says he really holds them to it. By the way, when you were water baptized, this is what you agreed to. Each of us, each of us, say each of us. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body. Look now, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit where we all come to drink. In our independent North American mindsets, and I, I come against this often because there are so many people who do not think they need church or at least need it at the level that the New Testament teaches that you need it. And I'll throw out statements like, do you think you could be a Christian and not go to church? And I let you worry about it and think about it, and it bugs some people. Um, and that's, that's the point I do it. Um, and I always say, well, if you cut your finger off and lay it on the table, let me know how long it lives without the body. And you can just think about that, and whatever the answer is, the answer is. But his spirit is in me, but that's not what keeps me alive as a Christian. It's his spirit that sustains and refreshes at a fountain or the life. And in the Old Testament, in a physical body, the life is in the blood. In the New Testament body, you and I, the life is in his spirit. And so his spirit is moving from person to person to every little cell. And some of us gather and we're part of this part of the body. And some of us are this part. And some of us are that part. And we all have assignment and we all have a function more than ourselves. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. 
The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. I'll just pause there. Um, sometimes we go, oh, you know, so-and-so's having a real struggle and we should pray for them. They're hurting. I'm hurting too. Oh, yeah. That's really not what this is. It's, you know, when, um, and they'll, uh, I can relate to a couple of things of instant pain in my body. And that is, if I'm hammering a nail and I hit my thumb, I just want the memories of thumb hitting to kind of resonate through. Or you're walking in the dark and you stub your toe. And in that moment, your entire body knows that the pinky or the thumb has been hurt. And that's not just physical pain. Do you know when some of us are just not behaving like we do, and so we're experiencing offense, legitimate hurt. Someone said something they didn't, shouldn't have. Maybe they meant it. Maybe they didn't. Um, somebody betrays us. Somebody, and it hurts. That pain will go through the whole body because we're connected. But when we're a part of the healing process of that, that in the physical body releases endorphins, it releases all, it's just a really, there's an, almost a necessity for pain, so there can be a necessity of healing. Just a thought. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of the body does your part mean anything. You're as significant in the body as your understanding of your need for your integration in it. I wonder if I could have the team come. They're going to begin playing. We're going to receive in just a moment. Host team, that's not your cue. That's just the cue for the worship team. When Jesus modeled the Lord's Supper, that very first time in the upper room, there was an issue, and I talked about it in our Easter service. I don't expect you to remember, but I'll just uh, point to it because I, I came at it from a different angle. But um, there wasn't a servant at the door, and they all came to the supper with dirty feet. And the issue about that is they walked with open sandals or barefooted, and their journey was noticeable. Where you've been was noticeable by what was between your toes um, uh, if you didn't get it washed off. Now, they reclined at dinner. So they would have, they'd be on couches and their feet would be up. Um, they didn't sit like this to eat dinner with their feet under them, hidden, journey hidden. They actually ate with their feet in each other's faces, uh, literally. And so I'm trying to eat. And, oh, man, is that bad cheese? What is that? Wow. Ooh, Bartholomew, my goodness, man. What did you step in before? What? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I can eat. I've lost my appetite. For real. And before they, they ate the part of the meal, but before they had the Passover meal, which that transitioned to become the Lord's Supper that night in that upper room, Jesus took a towel and a basin and he bent down at knee level as they were laying down and he bent down at knee level, humbled himself 
And he knelt down, so he was now eyeball to eyeball. And he took their feet, and he began to wash their feet. And he served them. And he said, hey, guys, by the way, I want you to do this from now on. And he was teaching in the context of discerning the body. We all come today to the table with a journey. And for most of us, it's not a good journey, especially if we're newly saved and the smell, the smell of our journey is still, is still on us, the effects of that. So we don't all act right. We don't all get it right. I call it messy church. We're figuring it out with each other. And there's to be a grace that, yes, I should have some self-awareness that my feet are dirty. But Jesus actually said, rather than trying to wash your own feet, if really what you did is lived in a way, not to excuse the journey or to excuse that maybe I stepped in it this week with you. We don't excuse that, but it's been done. What that's in the past. And so now we have a mechanism to move forward by not allowing clumps and clumps and clumps and clumps of our journey not to be dealt with. So he said, let's wash it off. We have a mechanism for this. And then Jesus said this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. <laughs> Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my followers. Is it because we have our doctrine down? Do we demand doctrinal purity? And I think having good doctrine is good, but some people worship that. Hate each other on Sundays. Come together and something, I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting that's us today, but there are lots of examples of it. And today, what I want you to do is we come to the Lord's Supper and the host team is going to start passing out the emblems and I would ask that you just hold them till we all receive and then we're going to receive together. And I just want you to examine today, how connected are you? So this isn't about like, oh, I don't qualify. You do qualify. We all qualify. In fact, if you've never received Jesus into your life and you're a sinner today here and going, I don't even know God. I would invite you to use this as your connection point and go, today I'm going to receive his blood that washes my sin. He died for me. Jesus, I accept that today personally. And Lord, that is for me. And you just say, that's for me today. And they say, I'm not going to go my own way. I repent from my sin. And, and, and I'm going to go a new way. I'm going to go your way. And the Bible says you're born again, just having made that decision cognitively and in your heart. You guys can go ahead and pass out the emblems. As you're receiving those emblems. So what we're doing today is examining, and we're going to spend the whole summer on this and probably do communion in a different power later. But I wonder when, as churches, sometimes we're struggling with the flow of the Spirit, like, I think we need more healing at Harvest, and I think we need more encouragement, and I think we need more generosity, and I think we need more, 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 more. And we're going to look at all the ingredients in the summer series of the beautiful community and what you and I have to offer another Christian. Not what I'm receiving, but what I can offer another Christian. And then as we're connected, 
as that connection happens. And Paul says, if you could just get this, if you could just understand it, that when you come to the Lord's Supper and be reminded by it, whoa, the Holy Spirit will be flowing through this room like unbelievable. And that's the truth, and that's what we're looking for. And so today, just a simple question, how connected are you? Do you have any level of relationship with anybody else in the room today other than your spouse? Is your friend, do you have a friend um, that doesn't have four legs and is furry and, and meets you at the door? And we're going to talk about, you know, the friendships. You don't force them and they don't happen overnight. But in my own life, I, about, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago, and I've shared this story, but man, I was in trouble. Personally, I was having a personal crisis and um, it was spilling into my relationship with Christina and my family. And, uh, and I did a five-day intensive with, with Henry, uh, Henry Cloud. Um, I just have such a love and appreciation for what he does in the body of Christ. And part of my homework was to cultivate three meaningful relationships. And I've been building those and some of those are now eight or nine years old. And they're incredibly life-giving. And I can be real and be honest and receive and give. And it changed my life. And I want us to cultivate the beautiful community at Harvest. And you won't be best friends with everybody. That's just not a reality. But we can be connected with more, more than we are. Small groups are places that we can meet people that Maybe we can find someone that we click with and can be one of those significant relationships. And we'll have maybe two, one or two, maybe three if we're lucky, really deep, deep, honest, life-giving, like crazy close, vulnerable relationships. And then we should have a whole bunch of friendships and acquaintances that we just have fun with and we're praying for one another and we know one another and we're contributing to one another. And then as a body, as we serve together in the dream team and we're bumping into each other and talking and praying and connections happening. So just asking that question, how connected are you? You have a whole summer and into the fall and then a life at harvest to develop the beautiful community that Jesus said, this is my body. Don't break it again. Assemble it and put it back together. As you're thinking about that, let's just let the worship team is going to play, and then we'll partake of the albums in just a moment. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Christ our King, by your 
with some of you that like tradition and I did this once and I got a whole bunch of emails you did it in the wrong order yeah I know Jesus took the cup after I know we're going to do it before the wine today symbolizes the power the life sustaining power in the blood without it we are separated from him. There's a new covenant. When we receive the new covenant, I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I receive it and know the washing of sin. I become, become a brand new person because Jesus, his eternal life is in me. Today we're so thankful. So thankful for eternal life. Are you thankful for eternal life? It starts, it starts the moment you receive it into your life. It doesn't start the day you get to heaven. It just continues the day you get to heaven. Jesus said, I've come to give them life to the full, a life that affects us in the here and now. We're remembering today there's power in his blood, wonderful working power. Let's partake of it together. I'm doing it this way today because so many Christians just stop right there. Just right there. Me and Jesus. Hey, church is hard work. It's not just coming together and, 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 and not being together. And this in our individual mindsets. Being in a relationship where you could actually see somebody in their eye and know their journey so well that you're not judging them for it, but you realize you could love them and help wash it away. Somebody who opens up and tells you that they're struggling, a couple guys get together, play around to golf, and that happens a few times. One of them says, guys, I don't know. I just got to talk to you. Like, man, I, like, I, porn isn't just something I visit once in a while. Like, it's, it's like, it's like a diet, and I am so stuck. I don't know how to get out. Oh, man, I've been down that road. Let me just take your foot for a moment. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to believe 
the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, to touch you. Not just wash you, put you on a new road. That happens? Oh, dude, it happens. And then next week, we're going to talk about it again. And as you're making that putt, I'll ask you just so you miss it so I can be ahead by a stroke. Because we're not super serious about this. It's a serious thing, but we're walking together in the things of God. Because the life's in the blood. But you got to have a transmission system from me to you. Ladies getting together. Frustrated with their marriages. Not what I thought it was going to be. He's a jerk. Yeah, mine too. Wow, it smells. It's not him. It's what's on your journey. It's powerful. Where we live life in the beautiful community, encouraging each other. Next week, I'm going to kick off some of the but, but encouragement. And encouragement is not just, at a boy, at a girl. Encouragement is, you told me a couple weeks ago that God was talking to you about how you were treating your kids and anger was getting the best of you. And I was just wondering, how's that going? In a totally not judgmental way, not a one-up man, because none of us earn it or deserve it, but in a way that you truly care and love, want to wash off. I found out that the reason is you had an aha moment together in prayer was to find out that person said, my dad used to beat the living daylights out of me. And I'm angry. And I don't know how to get free. Oh, there's power in the blood. Let's just get some flow going. That's the discernment of the body. That's what we have at harvest. Yeah? If you'll connect. So today, I don't know about you, but I'm committing to some connection. Let's do this thing and Let's receive his body together. The beautiful truth of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Stand to your feet. Pass your cups to the aisle. The host team is going to collect them. We're just going to sing uh, as we just get ready to dismiss, and I'll dismiss you in just a moment.
together and thank him for the power of his blood, discerning of his body this morning. Was the Hammond B3 in the track or were you playing it? You were playing it? It was in the track? Something about, something about a Leslie sound that just makes me smile all over. 
Why don't you just pray a blessing upon us as we go his beautiful community today. Father, we just thank you for today, God. And I just pray that you will just, Father, rest on each household this week, each family, each unit, each yes. child, God. Just bless our congregation, Father. We love each and every one of them. And just bring us all back ne next week safely in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.